Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Fuck, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swakowski. Pastor Joel. Yeah. Pastor Joel. <laughs> pastor Joel. What's I up, Pastor could, Joel? <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say that gets old, but it sure doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it doesn't, yeah. man. Someone somewhere is cheering for you with me. Yeah, I know good. it. Oh, I yeah. know it. I know there's at least one person. At least one. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man, I'm doing oh, good. Man. I'm glad uh, glad to be here and uh, excited to talk about this topic today. Yes, our topic today is discipleship. Yeah. Could you give us some history and background in this topic? I would. Let's just go right to the Bible. Well, first, let me say this too. Yeah. This is the last episode of season three, <laughs> right? I think it's pretty great how we went from sanctification, first episode of the season to discipleship here at the season finale. And I think we're going to see how everything between those two episodes is connected. And it definitely brought us on a journey for season three. And let's just go right to the Bible for the background. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them and spake unto them, saying, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So these verses, widely known as the Great Commission. Yep. This is the job that Jesus left for us Christians to accomplish. And it is quite possible that Jesus' first question upon his return will be, how did you do with the job I left for you? So it would be quite an important thing to understand what a disciple is and how to develop a disciple in order to be successful with this great commission that Jesus left us with. Excellent. So how have people been hurt by this topic in the church, Pastor Joel? Well, the church knows it's supposed to make disciples, yet it either avoids this mission altogether or it mistakes what a disciple is. Okay. So how does this issue present itself in the church? We like to talk about the strict side and the loose side. So how does the strict side handle this issue? Right. So the strict side is a focus on, you could see it kind of like apologetics. Hmm. Or do you ever see or read one of these books that's titled like a thousand and one answers to all your Bible questions? Not only, not only Pastor Joel, have I seen these books, I've also sold these books. Oh yeah. You used to work at a Christian bookstore, didn't you? I used to work at a Christian bookstore. Yeah. That's right. So there was a whole 
section of the Christian bookstore labeled apologetics. Right. Mm -hmm. So what, what the point of those books is, is really the, what they're efforting to do is to have an answer to every question at the contextual level. Mm -hmm. So what we do and what we covered in the previous episode with doctrine is we try to get to the, the doctrine level, right? To, to the principle that's true, regardless of the context. The strict side is very much focused on studying, mm -hmm. training, knowing a lot, especially what the Bible says, the facts of the Bible. Unfortunately, this denies the uniqueness of the individual. If the answer is to just know all the same information, it's treating everybody the same. And then, unfortunately, there's also no finish line or objective measure when you've successfully created a disciple or developed someone into a disciple. You just have to keep learning and keep reading the Bible and keep studying. Okay. And then, unfortunately, even more, the church leaders are often putting themselves in the position of needing to always know more than the people that they're meant to help. Because... How else would you know I'm your leader or how else would you see me as a leader if you know more than me? Oh, yeah. wow. So that, so that's the measure or that's the proof that someone's a leader is by the quantity or how much someone knows. Right. And if, you know, so if the goal of a disciple is to train and train and train and study and study and study, then me, a person who makes disciples, needs to always know more and study more and train more than the people that I'm developing. Which makes sense why then that kind of sets up, up people to never be able to admit that they're wrong. Yeah. Because right. you yeah, can't... Yeah, that feeds into that mentality. Exactly. It? Because if someone says to you, no, you're wrong about this, it means that they, that the person who is showing the pastor where they're wrong is essentially knowing more than the pastor. Right. And now therefore that pastor might feel threatened with their position. Uh-oh, here's this person who knows more than me. They're going to take over my position and take over my church just because they know a fact that I don't know. Right. Right. So how do these people support their perspective in the Bible? Well, I could use any verse that uses the word disciple because the, the problem is really how that word is defined. And most people think it's simply a student of Christ or a pupil. So then we are eternally students of Christ. And again, I just need to keep learning more facts and just keep indefinitely reading my Bible. Hmm. So that's really the biblical support here. It doesn't really matter what verse you use because it's about how that verse is interpreted. It's about the definition of the word. So you could just use the same verses I quoted in the history and background. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I could use that and just define disciple as somebody who's always learning more about God. And it's the, then this focus on the strict side is what, again, what the Bible says. Yeah. It's, yep. That's it. Just the facts. Got it. How 
would you handle an interaction with someone that held this perspective? Not saying that you have. <laughs> right. <laughs> but how would you? Hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> okay. Well, I could ask some questions. We love to ask questions, right? That's yep. one of the greatest ways to communicate. And, and it also puts me in a position where ultimately I ought to be trying to understand these people anyways and not judge them. So a question I could ask is, well, how would I ever study enough to know the answers to every question? Like, why isn't a thousand and two answers to all your Bible questions? Like, did you not think of every question or did you just run out of ink? Mm -hmm. And then one of the great questions we always try to go back to is whatever the topic or term that you're discussing is to ask the person what their definition of that word is. Nice. So what is your definition of disciple? And how does someone ever become a person who makes disciples? So remember, Jesus is telling us Christians to make disciples. Ooh, nice. So what needs to happen for the church to trust me to make a disciple? What needs to happen for people to look at me as somebody who can make disciples? Because if it's just learning, then why do you need me? Why can't I just tell you to read your Bible more over time? I don't need to make a disciple. If it's just learning more, we can all do it isolated from each other. Look at me. I'm your leader. I just told you to read the Bible yeah, more. Right. That's I'm such, a I'm such a dynamic leader. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is very dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Right. Okay. So to summarize, this strict perspective is discipleship is really limited to learning and studying. It's being a pupil of Christ means to know what Jesus says, yeah. what the Bible says, and just constantly be getting more and more knowledge, more and more facts. And really what's interesting is that this would deny the uniqueness of an individual. Right. Because it puts all of us in the same category and the same proof is acquiring the most information. Yeah. Quantitative, right? Quantitative. Quantitative. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it doesn't result in the person ever discipling another person because they constantly need to acquire more facts. Right, right. So if you're saying that that the goal is to being a disciple is to accumulate facts, then you kind of put yourself out of a job and your only job with other people could then be to tell them to acquire more facts. Yeah, while also making sure you always have more facts than them. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Perfect time to take a call. And, huh, it's interesting, Pastor Joel. It's a call from Crowley, Louisiana. What? Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, uh, Pastor Tater, what are you doing calling from Crowley, Louisiana? Uh, I live in Crowley. Wait a minute. Are you Dickie? I prefer to be called rich. How long have you been listening to our show? Did you know your parents are looking for you? 
I, I've listened long enough to know that y'all helped my dad grow. But wait a minute. Is this how y'all treat all your first time callers who wanted to share something? Oh, I'm sorry, Rich. We are just so excited to meet you. We forgot our manners. What did you have to say about discipleship? Oh, thank you much, Pastor Jonathan. My experience with the church is they view discipleship as cloning. Their goal is to turn everyone into the senior pastor, and I mean everyone. Is that why you left the church? Well, I, I didn't leave the church. I pastor a home church. Oh. However, if y'all are asking if this is the reason I left Texas, well, then yes. I didn't want to see my dad turn into a clone. I didn't know he got kicked out because of me until I heard my mom call last week. Why did you leave home? I was hurt that my parents didn't stand up to the bosses at their church over the situation with that missionary trip. Mm, I understand how you feel. I hope you see now how much your parents still care for you and how much they've grown. Do you think you're going to reach out to them? Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, I, I, well, I just wanted to set the record straight on what has been said relative to my story and to thank y'all for helping my parents. Uh, I, I will hang up now. Even though my dad may not say it, I know this is his favorite podcast. God bless y'all. Bye-bye. Wow. Pastor Joel. It's yeah. Dick. It's, it's Dickie. Uh -huh. I mean, I mean, it's rich, rich from Crawley, Louisiana, and he's pastoring a home church. Yeah. We know what that's like. Yeah, man. You know, I guess the spud didn't roll far from the field. <laughs> interesting saying there yeah and <laughs> what'd uh, you think what'd you think about the call crawley not crowley right, right? crawley okay us yeah. wisconsin you have to forgive us rich um that's just sometimes the way we talk up here <laughs> but it's really interesting he brought a really really cool perspective here his experience with discipleship is beyond denying uniqueness he saw a church that had a specific uniqueness that they wanted everyone to emulate. And he was afraid he would become a clone himself and, and maybe even more, more afraid that his dad would become a clone. So it makes you wonder why Pastor Tater didn't become a clone. Interesting perspective. Yeah, I'm really, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of blown away by getting a call. That was a, a big surprise. Yeah. Thanks for calling, Rich. Great yeah, to you. meet you. Uh, thank you so much. Um, feel free to call anytime. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's awesome. Okay. So we just covered the strict side of the argument. What's the loose side of the argument, Pastor Joel? The loose side is essentially defining disciple as a Christian. So because I'm a Christian, I am therefore a disciple. Aha. Uh -huh. 
And really this loose side is always motivated by not wanting to feel bad and not wanting to make others feel bad. So, you know what, I'll just treat all, all Christians like they are already disciples. And I really want other people to treat me as such too. And the implication here is that the people on the loose side have already arrived at this highest level of being a Christian. Hmm. And furthermore, these, these people on the loose side tend to lump the idea of just getting saved with being a disciple. Again, you know, the interchangeable definition of disciple and Christian would mean that, so once I'm saved, I'm a disciple. But this has ma major, major implications on how witnessing and evangelism is done. Because a lot of times the people on this loose side will then see witnessing as making disciples. So just purely getting people saved is me doing the Great Commission. And, you know, we talked about this in our evangelism and in our witnessing episodes earlier this season. We know there is a much greater, there is a much greater benefit to being a disciple than just merely salvation. Mm. And there's a lot more to dis, to making disciples than just getting people saved. That is a great perspective. So how have people been hurt by this perspective? Well, we have Christians who very well may be Christians. They think they're disciples when they're not. Yeah, they're born again, they're saved, but are they disciples? Are they making disciples? Mm. No, oftentimes not. So people are missing out on the greatest benefits of Christianity and missing out on helping other people with the greatest benefits of Christianity. And really, we're going to have, like the, this side of the, the argument, this side of this perspective is being is hurting people because when Jesus comes back and likely does ask us, how have you done with the job I left you with? The people on this side of the argument are not going to have a great answer. They're not going to be able to say they've done a very good job at the great commission because they're not really accomplishing it. Wow. How would you handle an interaction with someone that was on this loose side? This side tends to have this finish line mentality, right? Where it is this, I'm a, di I'm a disciple become a, because I'm a Christian. So really all I have to do is get saved and I'm good. I'm a disciple. So there's no growth there. Mm. So a question I could ask this person is, are you done growing? Or if I want to get more specific than that, I could ask, is salvation the end of the line for your walk with God? Awesome. When you see this going on in the church, Pastor Joel, this strict side, this loose side, what are your thoughts? My thoughts tend to be categorized in three groups of people. There's the group I feel sorry for. These are people who think they're disciples when they may not even be saved, while also thinking they're performing discipleship when all they're doing is telling people to pray the sinner's prayer. There's the group of people that I understand why they do what they do. These are people who leave the church, oftentimes leave the church, due to not being given the tools to become more themselves while growing, while growing closer to God, 
and therefore never being able to help others either. Hmm. These oftentimes are people who are looking for the right answers and are frustrated over being given contradictory answers. And then there's the people I'm impressed with. These are people who are intentionally growing in sanctification and have the process of sanctification defined well enough to help others intentionally grow in it as well. Sounds like a pretty rare group of people. It does. Hmm. So what is the ultimate answer? The ultimate answer is discipleship is replication. Replication. Replication of what? Replication of a person who can intentionally grow in holiness and help others intentionally replicate this ability in others, which includes the ability to replicate. Hmm. So I'm using that term a lot here. So basically, if replicating... So first, let me say this. If I replicate or reproduce from an apple tree, a lot of times people think the offspring of an apple tree is an apple. That's fruit, but it's not offspring. An offspring of an apple tree is another apple tree. Nice. Which means it's a tree that also has the ability to bear fruit that has a seed in it that could then potentially become another tree. That's replication. So replication is if I have the ability to intentionally grow in holiness, which is sanctification, Mm -hmm. and I can help another person intentionally grow in holiness to the point where that person can also intentionally help another person grow in holiness. That's the replication. I'm not only replicating my ability to grow in holiness, I'm replicating my ability to make someone else who can replicate themselves. That's awesome. So I have, so first I would need to be able to purposefully grow in holiness. Like I need to be able to intentionally or purposefully be able to know how to become more of who God wants me to be. Right. Right. Right? So I need to be able to do that myself to the point where I would be able to explain that or show someone else how to do that in their life. Yes. As well as showing them so well that they in turn can then do that with someone else. They can also show someone else how to do the same thing. Yeah. Nice. So it's like you, you showing me like you, you're growing, you're growing in holiness, becoming more of who God wants you to be. You help me do that grow and also help me help another person. Right. Right. Bingo. Okay, cool. So we have some biblical support here for this as well. John John 15, 8 says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Bear much fruit means creating disciples. Much fruit, not just fruit, much fruit. Ooh. So how do you create? Yeah. How would you create much fruit? Nice. Make another apple tree, not just an apple, right? Oh, that's sweet. Oh, that's great. 
Then Luke 6.40 says a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Notice the teacher is making disciples and ought to be like his teacher. So even the teacher has a teacher, right? Yeah. Which, you know, and then this is the replication. This is how disciples continue to be created moving, moving forward. The teacher makes disciples. The teacher also has a teacher who helped him become him or her become a disciple themselves. Mm-hmm. And this replication, it's why the ultimate answer is really discipleship is replication. This is how this great commission, this great mission, this great job that Jesus gave us can go on indefinitely. Because what, what happens then is replication ought to lead to the generations to come becoming better over time. That's what ought to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like, you know, what you, you and I learned from our mentors and pastors and leaders ahead of us. And we're taking what we were taught and trying to help the next generation learn those things. And part of our journey in leadership is helping the next generation learn the things we've learned more efficiently and effectively so that they get on this path sooner mm-hmm. and are walking with God closer and, and you know, hopefully don't have to go through all the crap we had to go through nice. in order to get to where we are today. This replication process ought to lead to the next generation. You know, if this took 20 years for me and you to get to the point we're at today, hopefully the next generation won't have to take 20 years. They take less than that. So we don't have to look back at the generations before us and think that was the greatest generation. Uh, we, we do that, especially do. to the generation that lived during World War II, which is great. It's an affirmation to how amazing and heroic that generation of Americans was. They definitely had embraced a culture of serving others and to fighting for a cause greater than, greater than themselves. But what does it say about the future generations how come we're not as good or better than what we still consider the greatest generation it's because replication is not happening Mm. jesus did this jesus replicated himself he replicated his thought process into others we are even encouraged to have the mind of christ right 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 (laughs) and jesus even said we do greater things than he did that's why this, so right there, even Jesus is saying replication, discipleship is the key to us doing greater things than he did. Because we have, we can all have the mind of Christ as a community, as a church. But that's all dependent on being successful at discipleship. Nice. And we've seen becoming like Christ, the mind of Christ. Like we learned in the godly thought process episode. This means we become more holy over time. We do what Christ did, the mind of Christ. We empty ourselves and allow God's spirit to flow through us with free course. He does that through me differently than he does through you. So we, we also, like you were saying, we become more of the person God created us to be. Nice. And this shows the other reason discipleship isn't happening is people don't understand what happens after salvation 
So that's the damage. And one of the reasons we went through this whole arc, this entire season of really, what do I do after salvation? It starts with sanctification. And discipleship is growing in sanctification and being able to help others do that. Really, what we're doing is we're replicating the mind of Christ into more and more and more people. He replicated the mind of Christ into his disciples and that's really what we're doing is we're trying to help everybody have the mind of Christ quicker yes. and more. Hmm. So discipleship, the end of season three is the highest level of sanctification. And it is the ultimate move for after salvation. We go from sanctification all the way, all the way to discipleship. Which makes sense why Jesus would say, go into all the world and make disciples. He goes, yes. The, the peak, this is where right. people should be getting to is the highest point. Jesus said, you know, don't go into all the world and get people saved or don't get and, and just get them to a bare minimum, right. bring them to the, the maximum. Which then the implication is all the things that would be required in order to become a disciple. Nice. So we didn't have to say, go and get people saved. He didn't have to say, go and get people sanctified. You don't have to say, go and help people understand who God created them to be and help them get into a godly thought process and help them have the mind of Christ. Because he said the pinnacle, because he said, make disciples, all those other things are implied. So it's really just a way more efficient way for him to be able to say all those benefits of Christianity, but just in one word, because he showed the ultimate benefit. Beautiful. And now one of the things we talked about in the last episode, I wanted to, I wanted to be clear on this. We talked about doctrine in the, in the what the flock episode. And we also talked about doctrine in the milk podcast episode. And one of the questions you asked me, cause I kept saying doctrine is the key to discipleship. And you asked me why. And I said, listen to next episode. <laughs> so I want to, I want to answer that question now. Sweet. And you're going to see it. I basically answered it already. But let me just be real clear. Replication. Great. In order for me to replicate myself, I need doctrine. Because doctrine is the contextless answer that anyone can use in any situation. Meaning it does allow for uniqueness. Without doctrine, I can't help you become more like Christ. Mm. I would just be helping you become more like me. And that's the problem that Rich talk, showed us about the cloning that he experienced from his church. Right. They're just cloning a specific uniqueness. So how do I become more myself or more the person God created me to be when you aren't giving me doctrine? I can't. Plus doctrine means, and I talked about this in the strict side, doctrine means I don't need to memorize every situation. I don't need to memorize every question. Because I have the causes within me. I have the truth, the principle that's underlying all the context. So for, the, for an example of a doctrine, it would be something like love. Yes. So can you, give, can you give me an example about how love is anyone can use in any situation in their uniqueness? Great. So love is giving a value without expecting anything in return. The value I give oftentimes is teaching. When I do that, when I allow God to, to work through that person within me 
to benefit my son, I am teaching him and that is a value that I can give to him. And as long as I'm not expecting anything in return, that would be love. Now you also know, Jack, Mm -hmm. a benefit you could give to him, especially because you're both more wired to be compassionate and you're really wired to be not just teachers like me, but a leader. And a way you could love him in your uniqueness, a value you could give him would be to let him share a story about some conflict that's happening in high school and you could bear his pain. Mm-hmm. Now notice both of us are loving. Nice. But it's what's coming out. The value that's being given is different. So because the value is different, it does adhere to the uniqueness principle as well. And so we should both be then as we love your son, helping him become more of who he is versus becoming, because if, if the goal for, for me is as a, you know, being more compassionate is to say, well, loving is being compassionate. Loving is always being compassionate. Right. Loving, loving is always teaching. That's how we're turning people into clones. Yes. So in our respective churches, we go, you know, what really means to be a leader is to act and think and do everything that I do. Right. Okay. And we we don't want that, right? We want, (laughs) we want the not at all. And we're supposed to love the Lord, our God with all of my heart, with all of my soul not with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You don't yeah. love God with my heart. <laughs> right. You love God with your heart. Right. Yeah. And then finally, so this is the final season, season finale. So thank you, Pastor Jonathan, for being my co-host here. This has been a really great season. And I just wanted to emphasize this one last thing, this discipleship, this great commission, recognize it's not only great in scale on all the different things it covers, but it's also great in its importance, the quality of it, the depth of discipleship is beyond compare. Thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.